0: Hey everybody, I'm Robert Yerby, and I'm an insurance professional, and admittedly, kind of an insurance nerd. My friends and family tell me that nobody is going to want to listen to a podcast about insurance, so instead, on this show, I'm hoping to share a story or have a conversation with a guest about some relatable experience, and then show you how insurance impacts that story or topic. My hope is You'll enjoy a few laughs with me, and maybe learn at least one interesting thing about insurance along the way. Here we go. Hey everybody, this is Robert. Thanks for joining me. It is March in Phoenix, Arizona, and I gotta tell you, after a pretty chilly winter, it's turning, and I'm looking outside. The sun is out, spring training baseball's going on. Uh, the World Baseball Classic starts up. Uh, I think it's next week. Yeah, it's next week. It just it it feels good, and I I feel like you can you can probably hear it in my voice. Winter is over. The gloom and doom is over. And I know anybody anybody listening from the Midwest or you near know, Canada or whatever where it's it's still winter. I'm I'm sorry. And you know we all make choices. And I'm, I'm really happy with my choice right now. Oh, also, Big Ten basketball tournament uh, starts uh, well as of the day that this is this is going to be published. I am a huge college basketball fan. The regular season is is terrific, but I love the I, I love the Big Ten basketball tournament. I haven't had the opportunity to go to any other uh, conference basketball tournaments. Those are probably you know just as fun, but me and my family we're big 10 people. Uh, very often I go to the tournament. Uh, however, I'm not going to do that this year. I'm going to hang out in Arizona, but we'll be watching it and my my son Jake is coming down from Chicago. I'm sure we'll be watching basketball with him. Anyway, it's it's just it's just great. I, I guess I'm just going to say again, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. Uh, feeling really positive today. And let me let me get into the podcast by by sharing a story <laughs> yeah blow everybody's mind i got a story well we talked about concerts you know a few months back on an episode and uh, it's a topic that i love i'm a big music fan i, I played guitar for a long time i sing and I'm, i, I want to share two experiences that I have at concerts that I don't think that I've shared on the podcast before. The first one was a white zombie concert, and I want to say it was at the Riviera Theater in Chicago, and I would have been uh, probably 17 years old at the time. And my concert buddy all through you know high school was uh, my friend Sean, and for whatever reason... We were late getting to this show. It could be in any number of reasons, and my, my memory is is clearly not very good, so I don't even really want to speculate, but we were late getting to this show. Actually, I will speculate. You know, the thing is, I tell this to my son from time to time, you know, I grew up in an era where we didn't have directions on our phone. We We didn't even have a phone in the car. Like, if you got lost, you had to stop and ask for directions at the gas station or something. So... I mean, it's very possible we got turned around, though I feel like we'd been to concerts at the Riv before, before White Zombie. Anyway, we're two kids from the suburbs going into the city for a show. I mean, it's very likely we got turned around, right? We didn't have navigation. We didn't even have, we didn't even have MapQuest. Remember, before, before there was navigation on your phone, and in between the period where you just had to stop for directions, like, you had MapQuest, Like, you would go to your home computer, mapquest.com, you'd type in where you were going and where you were starting, and you could print yourself out directions. We didn't have that when I was 17, either. It was just, man, you stopped at the Shell station you asked. Anyway, we get to the White Zombie concert late. And we had missed the entire opening act, whomever that was, but we were really there. We wanted to see White Zombie. And the place is packed, but... You know we're two obnoxious teenagers. Uh, I mean, yeah, oh yeah, I'll go with the obnoxious. We we just start elbowing and worming our way towards the front of the stage. Now it is elbow to elbow people, right? That that's all that I knew as a kid. This is this is nothing out of the ordinary. When it is elbow to elbow, you can barely move. Dirty, sweaty, drunk people all around you. And this is, this is just totally normal. All right, so we're elbowing our way up there. I get up to, like, there's, like, the second row of people. There's only one person between me and, like, this bar in front of the stage. And then, like, there's just a little maybe five-foot area where the security guards are standing. And then it's the stage. And, it's, and then it's Rob Zombie. So I, I get that close. And I feel like Sean was, I mean, right... Right behind me or right next to me. Well, the dude that is standing right in front of me, he's got his you know hands on the bar, and then he's like pressing backwards against me, and and I I mean I totally understand. Like I, I've I've seen enough news about people being like uh, crushed at concerts and soccer games and all this stuff. Now um, I I get it. That might have been a little scary for this guy you know when like me and like the mass of people like just start pressing up trying to get to the stage but the way that he did it he was he was taking the bar you know in his hands and then like he would like just shove his butt backwards you know he'd get like kind of like in a pike position and pressing back on me And and I didn't like it and you know the music is so loud you can't really hear what somebody's saying next to you I feel like I feel like I would have tried to say something to him. It, it maybe wouldn't have been terribly polite and respectful, but I would have I would have used my words, okay? And then when he continued to do this, I remember expressing to Sean my frustration. <laughs> and not not that he's going to do anything about it, but I I think my, fr- my frustration just sort of boiled over at one point. And, and by the way, we've only been there for like four or five songs at this point. But this guy did it one more time. He was just like pressing his butt up against me. And uh, I just lost it. And uh, I punched him in the side of the head. I, I'm, I, it's probably fair to say he didn't see it coming until the very last second. I, put, I didn't punch him in the back of the head. I punched him in the side of the head. And, of course, it's dark and, you know, there's concert lights going on. I, I'm sure he really didn't see it coming. And I, at that at that moment, I, d- I didn't really care. And, you know, he he reacted the way people do when they're punched in the side of the face. Uh, he kind of, like, recoiled and then his his hand kind of covered his face for a quick second and then, you know, pulled it away to see, you know, what's going on. And then I'm coming in for another strike and hit him. Pretty much in the same place. Though with this, that second one, I'm sure he saw it coming and just he didn't have any time to react. And at that point, the security guard has seen me. Right? We're, we are... Well, this this guy is right there up front. The security guard in the, the yellow jackets or whatever, they have seen me. And I make eye contact with one of them. And I realize, oh, they're coming for me. So I just... I just kind of like recede into the crowd. Like I just fade away. I let all the other people that are trying to get up front like kind of like swarm around me like those bugs in the mummy movies. And I, you know, motioned to Sean or yelled for him. I was like, we gots to go. And I don't know if maybe he saw me hit the guy. I, I, don't, I don't remember. But we, we both like just recede into the crowd and we, we made our way back and we got out of there now I, I I tell you that story to illustrate how crazy it is at some of these concerts now and I haven't been to a concert like that where it's elbow to elbow people in a very long time that's that's really not my scene man by the end of this podcast episode you'll you'll understand why it's not my scene but it, it literally was so packed tight in there that this guy this guy that I punched I He probably really was not only annoyed, but maybe a little nervous for his safety. And if he was, I I think he was right to be nervous. It, it, It was not a safe environment in there. And this was a regular occurrence, by the way. I mean, every show that we saw at the Riv, or the Aragon Ballroom, or the Metro, they were all like that. That was so typical. Just, just a lot of people in a very small space. And it was just totally normal to me. I didn't ask any questions about it. I just understood that that's how it was. And then let me, let me fast forward to about a year ago. We're in a post-COVID world. It's things have been opened up and we're having concerts again. And one of my one of my uh, favorite bands, Dark Tranquillity, comes to Mesa, Arizona, and and this is this is sort of funny to me because when people ask me like, hey, what what was the last album that you bought, and I I really don't buy albums you know through Apple or any of that anymore. The last album that I bought was Dark Tranquillity, Damage Done, and I think it came out in like 2003. So 20 years ago. And in my head, that's still, like, that was pretty pretty recent. <laughs> it feels relatively recent that I bought this album. I can clearly remember going to the, the store. I bought the CD uh, on my lunch break uh, in Schaumburg, Illinois. And I popped it into the car, you know, CD player, and, and listened to it in the car immediately. It's right there on my lunch break. And uh, if you are not familiar with Damage Done by Dark Tranquility, one of the best albums I have ever heard, beginning to end. I absolutely love it. And I had never seen Dark Tranquility on tour, but they came to Mesa 2022. 2022. It, they were playing at some little theater, way smaller than The Riv in Chicago. And there's almost nobody there when me and my girlfriend go. When I say almost so many, I mean, like, there was, like, 40 people there to see the opening act. I don't remember who that was. Doesn't matter. And the way that they had this set up, you came in the back door. There, there was definitely a front door to the theater. We didn't use the, the front door. We used the back door in the alley to enter. And they kind of had the front uh, area of this theater blocked off. Those metal barricades. I had been to this theater before, but I had been there to see a much more laid-back show. Instead of uh, European death metal, I had seen like this candlelight show of God. It was it was like a cello quartet playing Queen music or something like this. It was, but but very laid back. So I, yeah, I was familiar with the the layout of this theater. And for that other show, I had come in the front. So anyway, I'm there with my girlfriend. And, you know, this band starts playing. And there's almost nobody there. We're just kind of like standing off to the side, listening. And in my head, I'm thinking, all right, if stuff gets crazy here tonight, like I'm assuming there's going to be more than 40 people when Dark Tranquility takes the stage. If this place gets crazy, me and my girl, we're, we're going... Over that barricade, and we're going out the front door. We're not going to fight people out the back. Then, second band starts, and at this point, the place is filled up. I mean, a considerable number of people have showed up for this second band, and to, to where I'm going to say there were there were hundreds of people, not thousands, but there were hundreds of people in the room at this point, and. She and I were we're close to the front of the stage. I like to get in a position where like, all right, I'm I'm right in front of the guitar player and I'm watching everything that he's doing. I wanna I want to see the pedals that he's uh using. I wanna see I just wanna see everything. And as much as yeah, you know, I like drummers, I, I like singers, I'm a guitar player, and I just I just plant myself right in front of that guitar player and I want to see everything that he's doing. So again, I'm probably like two people deep away from the guitar player when the second band starts. And then this dude, from out of nowhere, he just, he starts, or he tries to start a mosh pit. Yeah. And what I mean by that, like, nobody else is interested in this, but he just starts flailing around. Well, he bangs into me. And I... I didn't really see him coming. He came from, you know, my right side, just bangs into me. And I see him kind of like spin off of me, but he's coming back around. And he's coming back around towards me again. And I yelled as loud as I could. I, I yelled, young man, a young man, I don't want to do this. That's what I said. And uh, I genuinely was not interested. Yeah, yeah. Now, then, in an instant, after I've said this, I see my girlfriend, she, like, gives him, like, a a shoulder, like, I I don't know if this guy saw it coming, but yeah, she just left shoulder, like, right into him, you know, um, linebacker style, and (laughs) I don't think she really wanted to, like, mosh with this guy either, but we took two very different approaches, to letting him know that we were not interested, and uh, I, hers was much more impressive, clearly. And then, then we kind of like backed off. That I, I really I didn't need to see the guitar player that much that I was going to risk injury, so we we backed off. Now these are these are radically different responses to the concert atmosphere, right? As a teenager. I'm I'm in the mix, loving it, right? Inciting violence of my own. 30 years later, not interested at all, not having any of it. No. What happened? What happened in between there? A lot of things, but I want to draw attention to one thing in particular that it it's not just important to me, but I feel like it's important to Everybody that's listening and everybody that you care about. We just had the 20th anniversary of the Station Nightclub fire in Rhode Island. It was February 20th, 2003, during a a Great White concert. Great White was a band, a rock band, you know, from the 80s, early 90s. And uh, yeah, they did the show at the the Station Nightclub, was a little little bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island. There were I want to say 462 people there at the time of the fire in the building. And the band set off some pyrotechnics. These uh, pyrotechnics ignited a fire in the ceiling and on the walls behind them. And the, the bar went up in flames uh, quite quickly. And it just so happened there was a cameraman inside the bar. He was filming all of this as it was going on. As the band took the stage and as the pyro ignited uh, the foam that was in the ceiling. And, uh, it's, it's, all on, it's all on film. And it's on YouTube. You can, you can check it out and I encourage you to check it out. If you have not seen the film from this fire... You need to see it. You absolutely need to see this. And I don't care if you don't go to rock concerts. if you go anywhere where there's, you know, lots of people, you know, crowded restaurants, uh, anything like that, you need to see this video, because what you will see is how quickly this fire starts and gets out of hand, how the people react that are inside. And this particular night, at this particular building, if you were not out in 90 seconds, you very likely did not make it out uninjured or at all. 90 seconds. That's, in my head, that's how much time I have to get out of a building in the event of a fire before I'm dead. I, that It is just burned into my brain. I have 90 seconds. Now, I'll say again, you absolutely need to see this video, and, and obviously I, I can't show it on a podcast, but I, I've shown this video in an insurance class that I teach. One of the first like, general education topics that I taught for continuing education for insurance agents was this subject. And, and originally, you know I'll, I'll admit, I was just looking for something fun. I mentioned I play guitar. I wanted to be able to play guitar in a class and have some valid reason for doing so. But as I was on the road, like I, you know, I'd love to be able to take my guitar and hey, wouldn't it be cool if I could just, you know, play a couple songs in a class and have yeah, have a legitimate reason for it. So I, t- I told this uh, intern that I had his name was Anderson. I was like, Anderson, this is this is this is what I want, dude find some like rock concert disaster stories that we can talk about in a class and then we'll talk about like what insurance coverage was appropriate to you know cover the the commercial losses or the injuries or whatever and he comes back after you know a week or so of research and he had you know probably half a dozen eight different case studies we could we, we could use but one of them stuck out and it was this station nightclub fire, and we had all this video, and there had been a documentary uh, created afterwards. And it was it was so compelling, and I, I remember telling Anderson, "You can forget about all the rest of it. Like this, this is the class. We'll we'll fill three hours just with this," and we did. And uh, it's it's one of my highest rated classes ever. Uh, people still ask me to do that class, and I continue to do it because. I I just, I feel like it's so important that people see this. And even if, even if you remember it, you know, from when it happened 20 years ago, like, like I did, I remember seeing the news the next day. There's, there's new people that, they don't know who Great White is. They've never heard of the Station Nightclub Fire. And they need to see this, okay? Because they've probably been going to rock concerts like I did. And not questioning the fact that it's elbow-to-elbow people. And that is incredibly dangerous. All, all you have to do is see this Station Nightclub video to know that that is incredibly dangerous. So, uh, you probably don't even need to see the video to, to really understand that. But I, but I did. I don't think I'm a moron. But I, I just never questioned how am I going to get out in the event of an emergency. I, I, it never crossed my mind. If I had thought of it, I, yeah, I probably don't need to see the video. But seeing the video, it, it is so compelling. And, and I am changed forever having seen it. Everybody starts moving towards the same exit and there's a bottleneck. People can't get out, they can't get out fast enough. And so they panic. And, and then there's just, There's nobody getting out because they're tripping over, falling over each other. And then nobody is getting out. And even though I know how it ends, I mean, every time I see it, uh, it is awful, awful to watch. So you know what? I I don't go to concerts where it's going to be elbow-to-elbow people. I I don't want to be in that situation at all. But I also... I have a reaction when I go to even, you know, restaurants that are really crowded. There's, I, I don't really want to p- pick on anybody by name, but there's there's a restaurant in Missoula, Montana. It's, it's a bar. I guess they have food there, but it's a bar. And it's this long tube of death, right? There's an entrance right at the front, and then it's, it's long and narrow, and then there's an, there's an exit at the back, and everybody that is in the middle uh, by the way by by the grill where they're grilling up cheeseburgers and stuff if there's an if, if there's an accident if there's a fire where they're cooking right there I just I envision a lot of people seriously injured or dying that are right there gonna be stuck in the middle like after a football game no 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 I just that that place, frightens me, and yeah, unfortunately, you know, a family that that loves that place, and I'll never be able to talk them out of going there, but um, it, it frightens me, and there's lots of places like that in towns all across America, and I, I just, I don't like them. One of my favorite places in, in Scottsdale, I guess I am going to mention that place, one of my favorite places there is is a fire trap. And I, I tend to not be in the center of that, you know, big room. or And that's not a big room. It's a little room. I tend to not be in there. I tend to want to sit by the exit. You got about 90 seconds. 90 seconds. Wherever you are, figure 90 seconds. Do you know how to get out of that place? I really do want you to go see the video. If you have not seen the video Please, and watch it with somebody that you care about. Your son, your daughter, your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. It will change you. And what I really don't want to have happen is we have another accident, another disaster like this was. I want this to be the lesson. I want this one to be reminder that we we shouldn't be packing places over capacity. My fear is that people will forget and something else will happen. You know, on this scale, gosh, when when a fire alarm goes off, what do you what do you guys do? Do you, do you just kind of look around and see You know, if anybody else is getting up, or do you actually get up and exit the building? We had fire drills when I was a kid, and you kind of knew, yeah, you got to get out. And lately, as an adult, when I've been around and fire alarms go off, people just kind of look around and they're like, what an inconvenience. That's annoying. Somebody please turn that off. Uh, And of course, the the correct response, the appropriate response should be, well, let's get out of here. You know, in in case this place is going up in flames, let's get out. Yeah, and do I sound like a cranky old man? I'm not anti-fun. Okay, can I just say that? I, I like to have fun. <laughs> I want other people to have fun, but I I just I just want it to be done safely. That's all. That's all. Oh. I know. I know what else we should talk about. The insurance. So, a station nightclub. It's completely burned to the ground. 100 people are dead. Another 260-some are injured. Some, quite severely. Now, the owners of the bar had a liability insurance policy. And liability insurance will help them pay the claims from those that were injured and the families of those that were deceased. Well, the limits of that liability policy were just woefully inadequate to pay all of the claims. All right, Their limit, uh, it may have been a million dollars. Um, I also feel like they, they must have had some prior claims on that policy because uh, the, the total amount paid by the insurance company to the, the victim's fund was it was some odd amount, seven hundred and eighty thousand, some cents. Uh, so, so they probably had a million dollar, you know, aggregate limit. Anyway, it, it paid an amount just just woefully inadequate to pay all of the people that were injured and and were killed. So, the band also had a million dollar liability policy. And again, there's good reason to fault the the owners of the bar and the band, but we have less than $2 million available from insurance to compensate all of these victims. Now, if you're not in the insurance business, you might be thinking, well, they should have had more insurance. Well, maybe, maybe, but the, the thing is, the band and the bar owners, they couldn't possibly have purchased enough insurance to cover all of the 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 claims all of the injuries and and the suffering that has resulted from this accident it's it's just not possible a hundred people dying i mean what what are what are the total claims on that um I mean it's easily a hundred million dollars right there i'm ju- I'm just doing quick and easy math million dollars a person yeah uh, but it, it quite likely way more than that, just on the people that died. By the way, I think the people that lived, many of them suffered just horrible experiences, and and twenty years later, still suffering as a result. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine being in a confined space that is burning? and from the ceiling it's just dripping hot fiery foam can you imagine and can can you can you imagine ever being right again you know sleeping well and just, i just i can't even fathom anyway let's call it 100 million for those that have deceased the other 262 that lived through this and have mental emotional and physical injuries as a result C- can we, can we just agree that whatever the dollar amount is, it's astronomical, and yet we have we have two million dollars in insurance <laughs> or, not, or not even? How much insurance would the band and the bar need? A billion dollars? Let's just let's just use round numbers. Yeah, a billion dollars. Maybe it's a billion. Maybe it's two. Maybe it's five billion. I have no idea. But it's it's a crazy huge number. and what I'm here to tell you is you cannot buy that much insurance. It isn't possible. So you know I, I don't fault the insurance agent. I, I don't I don't really fault the bar or the band at least not in the sense that they didn't buy enough insurance. I would fault them for other things you know that that led to the accident, but I'm not I'm not critical of their insurance purchase. Really, or at least that's, that is so far down the list. They couldn't possibly have purchased enough insurance to compensate everyone. Bottom line. So then we as concert goers, we as consumers that are, are out in places of assembly, be them restaurants or, or whatever, I, I think we should know that going in. And, and not merely rely on the fact that, well, okay, everywhere I go, if I get hurt, they're going to pay for my injuries. They're going to pay for my suffering. Uh, no, I, I, would, I would not make, I would not draw that conclusion. When is it is a major accident, a, a, a tragedy like this, or even a fraction of this, really, there won't be enough insurance to compensate everybody fairly. No. There won't. And so I, I just implore you, do not put yourselves in those situations, if, if at all possible. Know where the exits are. If, if it looks like it's a dangerous environment, get out of that environment, truly. And, and there are lots of things that I like to do where there are lots of people involved. Football games, Halloween, uh, karaoke. Karaoke. Uh, Yeah, I mean, lots of stuff where there's there's lots of people, but boy, I really try and not be in the center of these dangerous environments, and and maybe maybe I'm a square. All right, I would rather be called that than you know get get hurt. Yeah, so I feel like I've said it at least a couple of times already. Look look up the video. Watch it with people that you care about. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to have any more case studies for my insurance classes. I really don't. I'd rather, I'd rather my, my insurance classes were history lessons. I, I, I begin every one with way back when, way before all of you were in the insurance business. Before a lot of you were born, that's when bad stuff happened. Nothing bad ever happens anymore. I'd love to be able to say that. I don't know that that's realistic, but hey, watch the video. And if by chance, anybody that was involved or, or lost somebody in that station nightclub fire, um, I I want you to know, look, I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten and I I mention it, I dare say, weekly. I've mentioned it weekly for the last... 10 years. Yeah, just just know it's not forgotten. All right, if you uh, happen to be an insurance uh, producer or maybe an adjuster and you need continuing education credit, uh, I do teach insurance classes. You can uh, check out my schedule at bmfce.com. If you like the podcast, uh, tell your buddies, uh, subscribe, rate it, uh, leave a review, do what you do. Alright, really appreciate it, and uh, we'll have another episode coming up soon. Thanks. Hello? Hey, what's up? You actually you called while I was uh, recording an episode of the podcast, and then uh, one of the landscaper guys came by with like the leaf blower thing, and it just bleeding into the audio something awful so I, I had to take a break uh, I see that you called but you, you know what the story that I was telling on the podcast was the story of the Dark Tranquility concert and remember the dude when the, the second band starts playing and he just starts to going start to say, say that again Try to start a wash pit. yeah <laughs> and, and I didn't want to have anything to do with it And it wasn't even a good attempt at starting a mosh pit. Agreed. Agreed. And what did you do? I don't don't even remember. Did I put my arms up? I feel like I put my arms up. No, he, 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 well, first he bangs into me and, and I, uh, I said something like, um, excuse me, young man. I referred to him as young man. I was like, excuse me, young man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And and you gave him, like, this shoulder shiver, like, just oh, I- banged into him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I shoulder-checked him back into the motorway. <laughs> I sure did. Yeah. Yeah, I think immediately after that, you kind of took off and you were back at the other side of the... You're like towards the front. You're like, I don't know what that is, but I'm not going to be anywhere near it. And I was like, okay. Yeah, that's not for me. Yeah, but he mean, never really stopped either. I feel like, um, I feel like the whole rest of the concert, it was like every other song he was trying to start another mosh pit. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. That was pretty funny. Good times. It was pretty-